chapter number two. Don't forget Wednesday night. Come with a testimony. Share in your heart. Come with a special number. Uh, something that uh, him that the Lord's blessed you with. Most of the service, I'll take a few minutes and just share from a psalm or something. And uh, most of the service will just be a testimony time. Time for you to opportunity for you to give praise and glory to the Lord for what he's done for you in 2022. How many of you say God's been good to me this year? Raise your hand. All right, we're going we're gonna to praise him. And uh, we have opportunity to do that. And uh, I'm excited about that. My granddaughter is supposed to be here as well. How many of you have never met my granddaughter? Oh, a couple of. All right, you got to come on Wednesday night and meet my little granddaughter. And, uh, and it's, it's going to be good. How many of you have ever read a verse in the Bible and um, you didn't like it? You say, well, that's kind of unspiritual. Well, your flesh uh, doesn't like some verses in the Bible. You ever notice that some of these verses go cross-grain against our flesh? Um, you know, like the guy that says to somebody, you know, I, I love you in the spirit, but I hate you in the flesh, you know? I wouldn't know how to process that if someone said that to me, but at least uh, it's 50-50, right? Uh, you know one of those verses, we're not going to look at it this morning, though, but I am going to use it by way of introduction. One of those verses that goes cross-grain against our flesh is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. It says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, no matter what. And uh, God kind of puts the nail in the coffin. If you didn't get it, it's a command. But then he says this, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So if we didn't get that we're supposed to give thanks in everything, God makes it clear. You know, sometimes some things aren't as clear what the will of the Lord is, but it's really clear that we're to give thanks in everything, not just for the good stuff. It's easy for us to give thanks for the good stuff. Uh, that can be our normal response, uh, but also for uh, the stuff in our lives that we don't think is good, uh, but what comes from the good God uh, is for our good and for his glory. I want to take a few minutes this morning, and I want to look at a wingle in the Bible. Now, if you're visiting here today, I have to explain to you what our wingles group is. Uh, our wingles group is our widows and single ladies, and uh, we're going to look tonight, uh, this morning, at, at a wingle. And I want to preach this message that I have entitled, Automatic Praise, Automatic Praise. Now, last week, we started a mini-series where I told you we were taking six Bible characters in the Christmas story, and we're going to highlight those uh, on December 18th for our Christmas program, and uh, so we're taking six Bible characters. We started last week with Mary. Remember? Mary, back in the day, she got uh, you know the announcement from the angel. We're going to go all the way to the other end, and we're going to look at Anna, a widow. And you see, Pastor, why are we doing this one end to the other? We're looking at the women first, because... This is the Sunday right before Thanksgiving, and Anna was a woman of praise. And so we just shifted her right to this week, and I trust that the Lord will use this story. We only have a few verses concerning her, uh, but I trust that the Lord will use it in our lives. She had every reason to get bitter, but she wasn't bitter. And she was married for seven years, and then her husband died. I want you to call your attention to verse number 21 of Luke chapter 2. Verse number 21 of Luke chapter number 2. The Bible says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, 
His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was consumed, consumed, yeah, conceived in the womb. I'll get it together. I'll get it together here. <laughs> it's all good. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And uh, there were eight days, verse 21, and then circumcision for a female child. The mother was unclean for eight days. For a male child, the mother was unclean for 40 days. So she has him circumcised. Then she must wait for another 32 days. On day number 33, she would then bring him and present him to the temple. Now, we'll look at Simeon, Lord willing, at the very end, but I want you to slide down, and I want you to look at verse number 36, and uh, I want to read 36 through 38, which is where we'll get our thoughts for this morning. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. Automatic praise. Let's ask the Lord uh, to meet with us. Lord, we love you today. We ask that you would meet with us in the few minutes we have together around your word. Lord, you know where each one of us is spiritually and in our relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us to yourself. Lord, I recognize that I can't do anything to help anyone, so I yield myself to you, and I pray you'd use me as your servant. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in what's said and done, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes, you ever notice we have a tendency to take things for granted, to take people for granted, uh, that God puts in our lives. We were talking at our table this morning, and someone commented that you don't realize sometimes what you have until you don't have that particular thing or that particular someone. And we need to live in light of the fact that what we have today, we might not have tomorrow. But sometimes our, uh, our lack of, of praise, our lack of thanksgiving, also moves into our relationship with God. You remember when you got saved, you trusted Christ as your personal Savior. I hope you're saved here this morning. If you do not know 100% sure your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven, let me tell you how real quick. Heaven's perfect and we're not. In order for us to get to heaven, something has to be done with our sin. God sent Jesus. He lived a perfect, sinless life and died on a cross. When he died on that cross, he paid the sin penalty for your sin and for the sins of the whole world. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And what we simply need to do is recognize I've sinned against a holy God, and I deserve to pay for my sin in hell. But Jesus came and took my payment, and I'm going to ask him to forgive me of my sin, and I'm going to place my faith, my trust, my dependence in him and him alone and what he did for me on the cross. The Bible says, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. When you got saved, though, I, I, I know many, oftentimes when people get saved, there's an excitement. There's a joy. There's a realization. There's a connection that I was going to hell, and now I'm on my way to heaven. 
whenever we try to share the good news with someone and they trust Christ as Savior, I try to bring them to that. I try to say, hey, if you were to die five years from now, where would you spend eternity? And I want them to say heaven because they just trusted Christ. If you had died five years ago, where would you go? I want them to say I would have gone to hell because today I trusted Christ as Savior. I try to help them to see that today is the day they place their faith and trust in Him. And there's an excitement. We realize, hey, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. And we have a joy sometimes we want to tell people. And sometimes we might come, hey, when's visitation? Well, Saturdays, I'm coming. I'm going to be there on Saturday. I'm going to be there for outreach Sunday. And then sometimes as the days clip by, as the years pass by, we can find ourselves complacent. We can find ourselves maybe less connected to God as we ought to be. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Let every everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. When I look at Anna here in the Bible, we don't know too much about her. Her name means grace. We know that she was a widow. She was either 84 years old or she had been a widow for 84 years, which would have made her probably over 100. I think that qualifies her as a wingo, right? Amen back there, all the wingos said. Amen. From what we can tell, she came from a godly family. You say, how do we know that? If you look at verse number 36, it's unusual for them to mention the tribe from which she came. Mentioning the tribe was probably mentioned because they were taken captive by the Assyrians, and there are only few that returned to Palestine, and her family did, which would give indication of their desire to serve God. She was married for seven years. But in her hardship, she didn't drive her from God, but it drove her to God. A lot of times in people's lives when we face hardships and difficulty, that opportunity for us to praise God and trust God can be also an opportunity that the devil will try to get in there and get us to doubt God or to drive us away from God. She's in the temple. And when she sees the child, Jesus, the Bible says in verse number 38, she immediately gives thanks to God. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. When I read this verse 38, I thought of what the Bible says about the disciples there in Acts chapter number 4. We cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. It was as if, she sees the child Jesus, and what comes naturally is praising the Lord. That's what comes natural. Don't sometimes in our lives we have to kind of be channeled a little? Sometimes we have to kind of get someone to say, well, it could be worse. And you go to somebody and we're complaining about something and complaining about the weather, all the many things that we like to complain about. And someone says, hey, well, it could be worse. You could be like so-and-so, and then we find ourselves, in, oh, yeah, sorry, Lord, and we find ourselves, right? Sometimes for us, praise is not automatic. And what I want to do is just give you a couple characteristics in Anna's life that I think helped her when it came to this matter of praising the Lord automatically. I want you to see, number one, she was devoted. She was devoted. The Bible says here, 
that she, in verse number 37, which departed not from the temple, but served God night and day. She was devoted. She was devoted to God, and she chose to give herself to him 100%. She was, can we say it this way? She was all in. She didn't allow the difficulty, the challenges with her husband dying to get her off track. Instead, she said, you know what? I'm going to give myself 100% to the Lord. Why is it hard sometimes for us to praise God? Because things happen in our life that God allows that we kind of don't like. And we can find ourselves complaining. But if... If my life is one where I say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. What will flow from my life will be an attitude, a heart of praise to God. I want to take just a few minutes and look at a couple passages of Scripture here. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. And I want you to look at verse number 1. It's a familiar verse to all of us. Romans 12 and verse number 1. Romans 12 kind of transitions a little bit. When you look at the book of Romans, you see what we have in our salvation. Lots of good, rich doctrine. And what we've been given in Christ. Verse number 1 of Romans 12. I beseech you, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, based on what God has done for you. Slide back to chapter 11. Look, oh, the depth, verse 33, of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Hey, the love of God and all that God has done for us. He's writing to Christians at a church in Rome, and he says this, I beseech you, I urge you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, based on what God has done for you, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We've said this a number of times, that word reasonable really means logical or it makes sense. What's he saying? He's writing to Christians saying this, based on all that God has done for you, it makes logical sense for you to give him your all, to present your body a living sacrifice. He said in 1 Corinthians, he writes to the church at Corinth, and he says something similar when he says, you're bought with a price, glorify God in your body. Now, I tell you this, we, we face a lot of challenges in life, but I tell you this, Nobody can take your salvation from you. And you know, I've talked to numbers of people in recent months, and they're, they're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior. When we can get out of here, when the day when the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise, and there's a hope, and we'll talk about that tonight as we think concerning the hope that we have in Christ. We just need to focus on it. We just need to focus on what we have in Him In 2 Timothy chapter number 1, you can turn there if you want, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I tell you, we're going to look at passages, and then I just get rattling along, and uh, I leave you in the dust, and that's not right. So here's another passage, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul writing to Timothy, we're beginning in verse number 8. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, 
nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath what? Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, God has saved us. You were on your way to hell, and you're on your way to heaven. And not only that, he's called us. He's given us the privilege, the opportunity to work with him, to co-labor with him. We think about that aspect Boy, what a privilege it is for us to be children of the King of kings and Lord of lords and to be used of God in his service. We ask ourselves this question, who or what are you devoted to? You always obey the one that you love the most. That's why Jesus dealt with Peter in John 21 when Peter said, I'm going to fish and I quit. And Jesus dealt with Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, let's forget about the peer pressure and forget about your cussing and all these other things. Peter, do you love me? Three times, Peter, do you love me? Because the one we love the most is the one that we serve the most. And we think about it, the reason why sometimes it's hard for us to have automatic praise because we love us the most. And I didn't like this. Even though a good, loving, caring God that sent his son to die for me and, and, and saved my soul, and I'm going to heaven with him forever. And he spoke this word into existence, and nothing can separate me from his love. Even though he allowed that into my life, I get upset because I love me sometimes more than I love him. I did a little research, didn't take long. Stock market, when they crash, I hope we don't have another one. But... In the 1929 stock market crash, New York Times columnist Will Rogers commented that the level of panic was such that it induced a state of suicide among traders. In the 2008-2009 time, they did a study to estimate the number of lives lost in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. It appears that there were additional 6,566, 6,566 suicides across the nations in 2008-2009 that were a direct consequence of the rapid decline of equity values. The number of casualties was more than 9-11 victims and more than coalition forces in, in Afghanistan, people that are taking their lives. Why? Because they lost that which was most important to them, the love of money. What are we devoted to? Anna was devoted to God. Number two, I want you to see this as we look at our text. Not only was she devoted, she was disciplined. The Bible says she served God, verse 37 with fastings. She was willing to give up and sacrifice for the greater cause. She was willing to go without to have God's blessing. Have you ever noticed that people are willing to sacrifice for things that are important to them? I'm amazed at how many individuals will take off work, will get their nice cold winter coat on, and hat and gloves, and will 
wade through all the traffic in the city of Philadelphia with the thousands of other people that are driving down to the stadium and that will sit and watch a football game and sometimes watch their team lose. You know, I don't like to watch it when my team loses. What a waste of hours and hours. You know what I'm saying? People will spend, by the the way, when the Phillies went in the World Series, I don't know, maybe you didn't get this email, but I got this email where I could buy tickets to the World Series. They were only starting at $1,300 a ticket. Wow. I was going to buy the whole church one. Yeah, right. I thought, that's crazy. That's nuts. You have a better view. I have a better view sitting on my couch than I would there anyway. But people are willing to sacrifice. People are willing to uh, spend hours and drive hours to get kids. I was talking to a guy every day of every day of the week. He drives one of his kids to play soccer at this soccer facility, and he's there for an hour or two. But there's no time for church. That doesn't fit in the schedule. You see, our our sacrifice for what is really important to us. Who or what are we willing to sacrifice for? When, when we think about it, obviously it's so key as we think concerning our praise. You, see, you, you know, I'm, I'm willing to sit out in the cold and freeze to death to watch my team play. But if I come to church and the temperature over there, it's cold in here, man. What's up with this place, right? You see, you see, our, our, our level of discipline, our willingness to sacrifice, our willingness to, can I say the term, suffer? Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter number 20. I was thinking about this matter of sacrifice And the Lord brought me to Acts chapter 20. Hold your place in Luke 2. We'll come back there for our third thought here. Acts 20, beginning in verse number 17. The Bible says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So Paul calls for the elders of the church here. And verse 18, he communicates. And when they were come to him, he said unto him, You know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. All right, I'm headed to Jerusalem, and I'm probably going to be locked up. I don't know what all I'm going to face, but it's probably not going to be, I'm not going to be in the Holiday Inn Express. (laughs) I'm going to be locked up. And here's what he says. But none... Of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. What's he saying? My comforts don't really matter. 
my conveniences don't really matter. I've been given a task from God, and nothing's going to deter me from doing what God has called me to do. I don't count my life dear unto myself. I'm convinced that our biggest challenge when it comes to this matter of praising the Lord on a regular basis in an automatic way is our dear, our life is dear unto ourselves. We think about the sacrifice. The Apostle Paul said it it doesn't matter. I thought about what they said in Acts 5, verse 41. Uh, They were persecuted and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. David Livingston wrote this. He spent his life in Africa as a missionary. People talk of the sacrifice that I made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called sacrifice, which is simply paying back as a small part of the great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward in healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with such a word, such a view, such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice, see, rather is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then, with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared to the glory which shall be hereafter revealed in and for us. He said this, I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. Boy, when I read something like that, I think I have nothing in this entire world to ever complain about ever for the rest of my entire life. See, we're, we're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to get out of our comfort zone And when we are forced out of our comfort zone a little bit, the first thing that comes out of our mouths is also, is often complaining. It's not praising the Lord. Number three, and we'll be finished. She was devoted. She was disciplined. But number three, she was dependent. The Bible says, same verse, verse 37, serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. She was counting on God to meet her needs, and to take care of her. She talked to God. She had communication with God. Her satisfaction, can we say it this way, was in God. You know, the Bible tells us often in the Word of God that God is the one that satisfies. Psalm 90 and verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Psalm 91 and verse 16, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 103 verse 5, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 107 verse 9, who sal- uh, uh, actually that's the same verse. Uh, Psalm 107 verse 9 is the exact same verse as Psalm 103 verse 5, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Hey, she had a close relationship with God. She was dependent upon God. This is where we we take things for granted, don't we? Uh, Children often forget that their parents pay the bills. 
they often forget that they are dependent upon their parents. Well, you're the dad, and you're supposed to do this. So where does that say? I've said this to my, where does that say it in the Bible? Show me the verse in the Bible that says I'm supposed to do X, Y, or Z. <laughs> you know, the reality is sometimes we're the same way with God. We're dependent upon God. We need God. In him we live and move and have our being. And sometimes God says he'll supply all of our needs. The Bible doesn't say he'll supply all of our greeds. And sometimes the things we want aren't the things that we need. And when we don't get the things that we want, we have a tendency to complain. And God's not obligated to do anything for us. He and his love chooses to meet every need that we have. And we often forget that we are dependent upon him. Fanny Crosby was born blind. Uh, well, she wasn't born blind, but she became blind, I think it was the age of six weeks or so. And um, one day at a Bible conference in Northfield, Massachusetts, she was asked by D.L. Moody to give a personal testimony concerning her faith and Christian experience. At first, she hesitated, then quietly rose and said, there is one hymn I have written which has never been published. And actually, it has been published since then. I'm going to read it to you here in just a minute. Um, I call it my soul's poem. Sometimes when I'm troubled, I repeat it to myself, for it brings comfort to my heart. She then recited while many wept, and she recited the, the, this, this song, Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king, and I shall see him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Let me read the second stanza. Someday my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon it will be, but this I know my all in all has now a place in heaven for me. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. You think about that. She was dependent upon God to get her through every day of her life. I don't know how. I read stories of some of these people and I think, man, they're like, they're like, they're like in a different category. <laughs> but I, I'm sure it was a struggle. We don't see all the ins and outs of other people's lives, but I'm thankful for individuals that allow God to live through them and use them to be an encouragement to us. Anna was a woman of praise. She saw the child Jesus, and immediately she praised the Lord. Hey, she was devoted to God. She was willing to sacrifice. She was disciplined. Hey, she was dependent upon God. And I'm convinced if we will turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth, they kind of cause us to complain and not praise. We'll go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for Anna. Thank you for this widow. Sometimes, Lord, when people get older, they can well, they can not praise you as much. 
And Lord, I pray that all of us would praise you. Lord, help us not to, to be grumpy, to be complainers. Lord, help us to look beyond ourselves and to have a relationship with you like Anna did. If for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, then I probably should be praising you more than I am. Lord, I ask that you would work in hearts now. Thank you for the privilege to open up your word. Uh, now do your work, we pray. Our heads are